Today's episode of Locked On Raptors is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the app and join me this week on Friday to get in on the action. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. Oh, like, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 909 of Locked On Raptors for uh, Tuesday. Yeah, whatever days are nowadays. Who knows? Tuesday, March the 23rd, I think. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors. Of course, also please find the show on all your favorite podcast providers. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio.com as well. We're on there, too. Please subscribe to Rate Review. It's always appreciated when you give us support, not just for this podcast, but for all of the Locked On shows covering the teams that you like. For example, Locked On Blue Jays and Locked On Leafs covering two notably less depressing Toronto sports teams than your Toronto Raptors right now. On today's show, we are going to talk about your very depressing Toronto Raptors. 117-99, they lose to the Houston Rockets on Monday night, their ninth straight loss. The Rockets' first win since February 4th, which is insane. Mm. And I think we've reached a point where some realizations have been had. Some resignation is creeping in, even for me, Mr everything's fine don't worry about it they'll turn it around <laughs> i think last night broke me and joining me uh as i think another fellow broken person it's big v big cbc big lavender himself vivek jacob what's going on buddy not that much I'm, I'm i'm not too broken because we've reached the point of the year where the weather is pretty nice and every day is a chance to go outside so uh it's 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 not all doom and gloom on the Raptors front, obviously it is because this was a stretch where you had some games where you could pick up some wins or you should have picked up some wins. And now mm-hmm. you're heading into a pretty difficult stretch. So it's going to be hard. hard for, uh, it's only going to get harder from here. So mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. Especially especially considering they might be down a couple of players by Thursday mm. uh, who would typically help them win games, mm. which is, of course, the cloud hanging over literally everything when it comes to the Raptors right now. It's uh, it's tough sledding, and I think you know you made the point. It's sunny out. There's pers- there's perspective to be had on the team itself. Like, it's bad. Obviously, nine in a row is bad. But like those losses were mostly due to a specific circumstance, and even now, the, like they're just clearly not back to where they need to be when it comes to the guys who just came back from COVID. OG sat out last night's game. Fred and Pascal clearly don't have the conditioning, although both played quite well last night. But you're really seeing. You know, we've been talking about the razor-thin margin for error for this team all season long, and it's really coming through as the bench continues to just poop itself every single night, and maybe you get three starters playing well. It's just not enough, man. Even against the Houston Rockets, who are, boy, (laughs) not a good basketball team, but the Raptors are not a good basketball team right now either, and I think maybe now is the time to accept, accept some harsh realities. You know, realities that I don't think really the Raptors are at that much fault for sort of being in. It's an interesting sort of situation. So today we're going to dive into 
where the Raptors are, where they go from here. Is everything over? Is it doom and gloom? Is there hope? All of that stuff. We're going to talk about sort of the backbench guys as well a little bit. As I mentioned, they've not been playing particularly well. Not a lot of production coming from anyone beyond Chris Boucher. And even Boucher has been up and down. His defensive contributions lately have been uh, lacking, I think is fair to say. Mm. We'll get into sort of the future of those bench guys as we maybe turn a bit of a developmental eye to the rest of the season. But first, let's dive into last night and sort of get into our biggest takeaways here. Um, Big V, what was your biggest takeaway from the 18-point loss to the lowly Houston Rockets on Monday night? Well, man, I think the biggest takeaway for me was just the start of that game. And immediately, I didn't have a good feel uh, for the Raptors having a chance to win because the defense was just all over the place. And I think it was Alex who tweeted that this looks like a matchup of two even teams. And when you <laughs> looked at the way they, they were giving up backdoor cuts and just the ease with which Houston was scoring, I was like, this is just a team that's not very serious. Uh, and I think they paid the price for it. And this isn't a team that can just flip the switch. This isn't a team that can afford to take teams lightly. Not saying that they did, but they just didn't show up at the beginning of the game. And they had to work their way in, into a rhythm. And Houston, you know, I, I thought they should have ended their losing streak against uh, OKC, the previous mm-hmm. uh, game. And so maybe there were things they picked up from that and that they carried over into this game. And so they were playing a bit better. And yeah, I think that's all they needed. Some confidence early on to feel like they could be in it. And and they rode that the rest of the way. So yeah, I, I think the big thing for me is to, to have that let down after the jazz game to, to be flat against the Cavs and then to sort of be flat uh, against the Rockets as well. It's just really Mm. disappointing. It really is. Um, But honestly, I think my big takeaway from the game is that, you know, all of the falling flat, all the sort of uninspired play, all the lack of defense and all that, like I kind of get it. And it really did feel like, this was the game that kind of hammered home that the team is kind of done with this shit. I know they're going to be competitors. Fred Van Vliet's a maniac. He was awesome last night, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the team's in good hands, whatever happens with Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi around, which is what the positive sort of framing of all of this is, is, you know, this very well could be just a one-year downspell for circumstance, and then they come back next year and, you know, things are looking good or whatever. But it just really feels like... All of the weight of the move to Tampa, the COVID outbreak, the near month without their three most important defensive players and four of their three of their four best players, and you know half the roster, the coaching staff, and then the slow build back up where there's not any time for these guys to ease back into this this thing because they're losing steam and they're losing touch with like the play-in game. And all of that and the, the just like the weight of this entire season really feels to be kind of crushing this team right now. And I can't blame them for it at all. And more than anything else, I just feel for the guys on the team and I feel for their families and I feel for the coaching staff. I feel for everybody involved. Maybe it's like painting with too wide an excuse brush, but I don't think it's really an excuse. It's just an obvious explanation of what what's going on here. And I tweeted this last night and I totally believe it. I think you could ride out this season with this just same crew, you know, have them go through the motions, finish the last 30 games or whatever it is, and go into the offseason, use your first-round pick, tinker on the edges, come back, and I think they could be a 50-win team next year. I really do. Like, that's how firmly I believe 
circumstances to blame for a lot of what's gone on this season. You know, obviously the the, the drop off in talent, losing the two bigs, the defensive malfunctions uh, are kind of widespread at this point. You know, those things need to be addressed, obviously. And I'm not saying that this team is some sort of championship contender or anything like that, but it just feels like finally this team that felt so sort of impervious to any sort of adversity for a long, long time, you know, two or three years, really, where they were just like so hardened and so conditioned to just persevere through whatever. As humans do, you kind of lose steam. And I, I really do feel like last night was kind of the hammer of, yeah, no, this is just a lost season and there's not much you can do to get it back. That said, I could still see them going on some sort of mini run and getting like the eighth seed or something like that. I think any sort of greater ambitions are probably a little unrealistic because I think it's unfair to put that on the players to go and rattle off 10 out of 12 or something like that. It just feels pretty unrealistic. Um, I... I I don't know, man. How are you? Do you agree with me what I'm saying there? Am I being too like dismissive of the on-court play, or are you similarly in the mind that you know shit's just gone haywire and it's, there's just not a lot you can do about it? Well, I, I think the, I think you're right to mention all those intangible factors because they're real and they're not going away anytime soon. And the only thing I would add to that is the losing compounds all of it, right? Like we hear so many times that winning cures all. The same way, I, I think losing just exacerbates all of those things. And so when you're not playing, like when players aren't making defensive rotations, when, you know, it, I think it sort of gets you to that point of frustration that much quicker. And so maybe they're not holding the rope for as long as they might have before. And, you know, that, that, that mental fortitude that they had before, is it quite the same? And so I think all of those things sort of combined together. Uh, I think it was Jalen Rose that said way back in the dark days that, you know, losing is just as much as a habit as winning and, or like losing is just as contagious as winning. And, mm-hmm. and I think some of those bad habits have sort of creeped in. Right. And like, you know, mm-hmm. you can see at times they're just kind of going through the motions. Like how many times, you know, I, I get that, you know, there are some gains with Chris Boucher because he does block uh, those threes. But how many times is he just going to go for that shot every single time and commit a foul, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, yeah. learn from it. We're over halfway through the season. Learn from it. And so things like that, it's like when you're watching film and really getting into it and, like, you know, you've got to be more conscious of things like that. And, again, it's those little details can make a difference. And, you know, even with the losing right now, if they, if they just close out that game against Utah, if they just close out that game against uh, Atlanta, you know, it, it doesn't look as bad. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, just little things like that, I think, make big difference uh, in the mood. And then, you know, I, I think that translates into other things as well. Absolutely, man. Uh, one of those things it could all translate into is uh, a bit of a selling off before Thursday's trade deadline. We will. And I, I didn't mean to pile on Chris Boucher there. A lot of players are making no, a man. lot of mistakes. That was just yeah, one look, example. Yeah. <laughs> Boucher has been rough defensively, in particular, and when he's not scoring, it becomes even more obvious. But uh, of all the bench players, 
he's the most reliable, which is probably a problem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it is what it is at this point. The back end of the roster has some issues. We'll talk about the back end of the roster in the final segment, but I do want to pivot our attention to the deadline as things continue to evolve, our feelings continue to evolve, uh, and maybe the Raptors' plan of action continues to evolve, and we'll dive into that and the ramifications of last night's low point on the deadline in just one second but first i want to tell you about our friends over at locker room they are the first social audio platform made for sports fans the app is free to download and once you're in you can talk to me other fans athletes and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport i'll be hosting rooms for the locked on raptors podcast once a week and yes you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every single day You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to the big news or rumors. You'll have a chance to chat with me and a friend of the show, Katie Heindel, as well, who's joining me for these, and might even have a chance to be featured on Locked On Raptors through our Locker Room conversations. I'm recording those bad boys sometimes, but I'm feeling lazy. I'm going to turn a little bit of that into a segment, so you might be in there. Uh, please be sure to join me this week. I'll be hosting a room with Katie on Friday to talk about the trade deadline. Still figuring out the time, but that'll be on Friday to talk about the fallout of the trade deadline. Go to go. Sorry, excuse me. Go download the free locker room app right now. Currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the NFL, MLB, NHL, and NBA groups for the latest league updates. Follow me at Sean Woodley, just my first name, last name, to be notified when my room goes live. I know you don't want to miss it. And I'm planning to be live again this week on Friday with Katie to talk about the NBA trade deadline. Can't wait to hear everyone's thoughts on Kyle Lowry getting traded to the Heat. Whatever, question mark, who knows? But see you there on Friday. Locker room changing the way we talk about sports. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com, the best place to go to save money on your car parts. Uh, And the mechanic is not going to fleece you anymore because Rock Auto is here for you. They're a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from the important stuff that goes in your engine to the aesthetic stuff like little carpets, whether it's for your classic or your daily driver. Get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is so easy to navigate. You just type in the make, the model, the year, and you find all the parts that you might need for your for your car. And it's a lot of different options as well. you got brands, specifications, and prices that you can choose from. Best of all, prices are always low at rockauto.com and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the car parts you'll ever need at rockauto.com. All right, uh, just a heads up, make sure you're listening to Locked On Today. It's a wonderful podcast with Peter Bukowski every single day. All the stuff you need to know about the big stories going on in the world of sports, from the March Madness tournament going on right now, to NFL free agency, to NBA trade deadline. We got our local host jumping on there with Pete every single day to talk about the big stories, so go and listen. All right, Big V, Trade deadline, it looms. We can't stop talking about it. Can't stop thinking about it. I can't stop tweeting about it. There's nothing else to do. I'm going crazy. My brain is goo. And last night, I think, just added more fuel to the deadline fire for the Raptors. Yep. You know, there's still a lot of reports out there suggesting Kyle Lowry's not going to move. I still think I'd probably err on the side of him not moving, but I think we'll hear a lot of talk about it for the next couple days. Norm Powell seems very likely to move at this point. I don't know. Where are you at? With sort of your feelings on moving on from those guys at 17 and 26 this season, you know, as I mentioned, I think you could conceivably bring back the entire crew and have a pretty damn good team next season, but maybe you just have to face facts and play with the the hand you've been dealt and 
move from you know a position of selling strength where you could be the sort of team that sets the market for for the deadline on Thursday. Where are you at? Are you dealing both? Are you dealing one? Are you dealing none? What's your approach right now if you're the Raptors? Honestly, my mindset hasn't changed. Like I, I'm still of the opinion that you have to pick one way or the other. And to me, if I think you primarily operate as sellers to see what you can get for Lowry, to see what you can get for Norman Powell, mm-hmm. but you don't sell for the sake of selling. And so yeah. if you don't get the deal that you're looking for, I really think the roster imbalance has to be addressed. I mean, ideally it would have been addressed sooner, but you have to get a serviceable center in this rotation. And even, you know, even I think you should be able to inquire about someone like Kem Birch out of Orlando and have a big body like that, just be able to provide you some minutes. I mean, he's capable. Uh, So I really don't see why something like that can't happen. And so, it, one way or the other, you either improve this team right now or you look to the future. And if they stand pat, that is the one thing that I would disagree with. Yeah, I, I get that. I think I am less sort of into the idea of buying. And like, even if it's like a small buy, like a Ken Birch, like I, I think. I think a couple of weeks ago I abandoned the thought of, oh, trade a first round pick to get it. Like they're not that good and it's not worth it at this point. Yeah. Like the, the work they'll have to do to justify trading a first for a Thad Young or something is just too insurmountable in 30 games. So I'm off that train. But hey, if it, takes a first, like a, if it takes a first and, you know, quality player to get someone like a Rashawn Holmes, then I'm all in for that. Yeah, I think that's with the idea that you're probably re-signing him too and mm-hmm. getting his bird rights has some value, which I think is totally fine. Um you know, I still would be a little bit hesitant about the first just because it seems like the pick is going to become pretty good. Maybe a future first if you're going to do it. Like this year's first, I would say probably you're not dealing that. Because yeah, you no, I would, it would have definitely have to be a future possibilities. first. Yeah, yeah. You're 2027, there you go. That, that's a problem for future Raptors, uh, you know, after the heat death of the earth. Don't even have to worry about it. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, I, I think for me... I disagree that standing pat is like a bad move just because I think, like I said, you could have this exact same team with some tinkering on the edges and your first round pick. If you get like, I don't know, maybe you get like the eighth overall pick, you get like a Scotty Barnes or something like that. You can come into next season with the same roster, hopefully a little bit more depth. Maybe you hit on those guys that you bring in in the Bembry role the way you did with Rondé. And you have yourself a pretty workable nine-man rotation with Malachi Flynn stepping up. And maybe Paul Watson is more of a, a trusted, reliable rotation player. And you're looking at, hey, like this is a pretty good team once again. You bring back Norm, you bring back Kyle, whatever the contracts might be there. You figure it out later. Maybe you trade Norm down the line. Maybe you trade one of your other big contract guys down the line for a star. I think it's a totally reasonable path to just say, this is a lost season. Nothing good is coming out of this, but we don't need to sell our souls for the sake of selling our souls. And if we're not getting something back that tangibly improves the outlook of the team for next year, and I've made this point, I think they need to leave. If they're going to trade one of Kyle or Norm, they need to leave this week with someone you can envision as the fourth option or the fourth guy to pair with Lauer, with uh, Fred, OG, and Siakam. Mm-hmm. And I think that can be Norm. I have no problem with that being Norm, but if you can find something that fits a little bit better, maybe something a little bit more cost-controlled, that can be that fourth guy, then I think that's fine. But I don't think you just trade him for like a first and a second and, you know, some you know crappy filler you're going to lose. Uh, that, that to me, 
doesn't feel worth the squeeze when you already have your first round picks intact. It's not like you're trying to recoup assets or anything like that. And Norm Powell is a valuable, good player. Yes, he might make 20 million bucks on his next contract as per the latest reporting, but I think that's fine. Like having good players on your team is a good thing, even if it's a little bit of an overpay. So I'm fine with standing pat. That said, I'm certainly more open to the idea of trading Norm. And the Lowry thing, I mean, let's talk about this. So the Heat became sort of the team of focus this week. We've talked about the Sixers. We've we've talked about the package from the Sixers. And I think of all the packages, if it's like Thibel, Maxi, a first, or one of Thibel or Maxi and two firsts, some sort of combination of three of those things, plus the salary filler of like Mike Scott and Danny Green, I can get on board with that. You could probably flip green for something else as well to a desperate team that needs some shooting and defense, and maybe you, you, you can re- recoup even more with that. That's If there's a deal out there for Kyle, that's the one I'm okay with. Also, I kind of want to root for Kyle and Joel Embiid together. That would be really fun. But <laughs> the Heat come along this week as a team in the discussion, and I just, we haven't talked about the, the package that's being thrown around. I hate the package that's being thrown around <laughs> by like Kevin O'Connor and the other people reporting on the Heat being super interested. It kind of feels a little bit Clippersy in that like they're sort of like wish casting and saying we would love this guy on our team, but there's just no feasible way to do it. It sounds like the package is Duncan Robinson. It sounds as though Hero is off the table, so it's like Duncan Robinson salary filler of like Drogic and uh, maybe Olenek. I don't know. I think Drogic is the main piece. And then Iguodala might be in there, too, if I recall. You throw in a first-round pick. But the thing with the Heat is the only first-round pick they can trade, first of all, they can't trade any first-round picks as it stands at the moment. They'd have to remove the protections on a pick they owe to the Thunder. And then they can trade their 2025 first-round pick, which I don't know why that's what that's doing for the Raptors. They're looking for guys to supplement their core right now. 2025 is after all of their core has expired on their current deals. So doesn't seem like a lot of use to me unless you're using it as a trade chip down the line which i guess is fine but i think a 2025 pick is as valuable to everybody else as it is to the raptors right now it's only sort of this theoretical value so that's the package i mean i guess you could throw in presses to chua if you really pressed and maybe you can get him and slot him in as a big man of the future i don't know your mileage may vary on what you think he is he's not in the miami rotation right now or anything like that he's also a rookie so who cares but what do you think about that hypothetical Miami package? Does that move the needle for you? And like, if you were to choose between that and the Sixers or nothing, where, where do you go? Yeah, I, I prefer the Sixers deal to that. And I think this Miami deal is ex- exactly the example of, you know, the type of deal the Raptors should avoid where it would come across that they're selling for the sake of selling. Like, I think there's more value to be had in, keeping Kyle Lowry and then trying to re-sign him in the offseason if if that's the best offer that's on the table. And so, uh, yeah, if, if that's the, the best that is out there, then I'm fully in favor of just, you know, continuing to see what you can get and uh, continuing to maximize this team and mm-hmm. just move on to next season. Because guess what? I mean, if if you if you're able to re-sign him and I'm I'm, I'm I don't know if I'm quite there on the whole 50 win team. I would have to see what the center rotation looks like for next season. Mm. If everything else stays the same. Well, it's Evan Mobley, of course, (laughs) 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 but I definitely think, you know, they, they shouldn't be worse than a 500 team. And so, uh, 
I, th- I think there's enough to manage there. And then, you know, if you do sign Kyle Lowry to a contract, there's still the opportunity to again trade him later if he yeah. wants an opportunity later. Um, I do think he's going to be able to maintain his level of play into next season, maybe even the season after that. Uh, on ball, you can see some of the decline, but uh, it, it, defensively, I'm talking about. But beyond that, yeah. you know, there, there's still a lot to like in his game. And it's nice to see the three-point percentage spike back up too. So, uh, yeah, I, I think Lowry is still, you know, really valuable. I, I would not sell just for the sake of selling. And, you mm-hmm. know, if if you're looking at that deal, you know, as you said, with the first-round pick, you, you don't know what a 2025 draft is going to look like. And if Duncan Robinson is the best player in that deal, I just don't think that's good enough. You also have to pay Robinson – like right away like he's he's an rfa this mm-hmm. summer and i don't i think i'd be much more in the business of paying norman powell than duncan robinson because robinson is like norm except if he couldn't do stuff with the ball in his hands like he's not a defender he is a great shooter obviously but norm is also a great shooter who could also create for himself and yep. do things with the ball he's just a better player and i'd be much more comfortable paying you know the the 18 to 20 for norm than i would be you know, probably like the 12 to 15 at the very least that Duncan Robinson's going to command. Like, shooting's a valuable commodity. He's going to ask for a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And some dumb team out there with cap space will probably throw an offer sheet at him too. So I, I think I'm, yeah, I'm pretty cool on the whole Duncan Robinson thing. If it were Hero, I guess that's a different conversation. I also am not very high on Hero. I think he's just fine, whatever. Um, he's very overhyped from that playoff run <laughs> and doesn't really feel like a Raptors guy because he's uh, shit at defense. But, you know, I guess maybe it's a different conversation. Maybe you flip him somewhere else considering his trade value is inordinately high, it seems. But I, uh, yeah, the Heat package does nothing for me. Uh, basically, for me, it's, it's that Sixers package or bust. And even then, I don't know if I totally care about the Sixers package all that much uh, compared to Kyle. When it comes to Norm, yeah, like I, I think there probably will be some sort of bidding war. He could help a lot of teams. You know, maybe the Lakers look at him as like, oh shit, like we don't have LeBron. We don't have AD. We need someone to just score some buckets for us. Maybe they get crazy and say, hey, here's, you know, some salary matching, which is like, I think I I did this in the DMs with Joe Wolfond. I think he sent me like, it was Gasol, Wes Matthews, and some other contract on the team, plus Taylor Horton Tucker and a first for, Norm Powell, like the 2027 first. And, like, that's okay. I don't mind Taylor Horton Tucker. He's got long arms. He seems like he'd fit pretty nicely. Um, But, you know, again, like, these are kind of, like, meh deals. And I just feel like if it's a meh deal, standing pad is totally fine to me. And you just kind of ride out the season, hope you get a high pick, and and go from there. Do you have any sort of stray thoughts on Norm? We've kind of covered Norm extensively the last two weeks here. I don't know if her opinions are all that much changed, but... (laughs) Um, what? It, hey, it's a daily podcast, and it's the only thing to talk about right now. So, guess what? You're getting lots of deadline talk, baby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but I mean that, that that deal is fairly intriguing. It, I mean, there's obviously some iron in Gasol landing back with the Raptors, but yeah, yeah, no, they go on a crazy run with him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I think Taylor Horton Tucker, the first round pick. You know, depending on when that conveys, uh, that could be interesting. Uh, there's, uh, there, yeah, there's, there's enough there, uh, especially for Norman Powell, uh, as, as with that being the piece. I mean, Horton Tucker, I think, has more of an all-round potential to build 
up towards it feels like just mm-hmm. you know from uh the minutes he's seen so far and so that's a that's a longer term piece and yeah i mean the market for norm it, it seems like everyone is asking about him it, i don't know how much teams are willing to give up for him and mm-hmm. if if that is the market then i think that's pretty fair value so yeah it's just a question of masai and bobby uh, thinking about you know what they want that longer term core to look like yeah i should also note i wouldn't put it past the raptors if they were to deal lowry and norm and they get a couple guys who can play right now maybe not be amazing but can be contributors right away like yeah. as they get their conditioning back and as like the the core three kind of get back up to speed and the defense kind of finds its form again i could totally see them rattling off a stupid run <laughs> And, like, kind of sewering the lottery odds and making everybody mad. Um, because nothing makes sense this season. I, I wouldn't put anything past anybody, frankly. <laughs> um, I do want to finish off the show. We've got a little bit long here. I think justifiably. Shit's wild right now. But uh, we're going to finish off and dive into just some thoughts on the back end of the bench and maybe looking ahead at the futures of some of these guys, uh, you know, options and things like that. But first I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag, the number one place to go for all your sports betting action. Football might be over, but the March Madness tournament's going on. You've got the NBA. You can bet against the Raptors every single night. If you really feel like it, real time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets and it's free to sign up. Just head to betonline.ag and sign up today and receive your 50% Welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on. That's bet online, promo code locked on, your online sports book experts. Today's show is also brought to you by Built Bar, which is the best tasting protein bar around. They're fre- freaking good. And I got some new flavors in over the weekend. Raspberry cheesecake might be the greatest of all time. It's freaking amazing. Either way, right now, Built Bar Madness is going on over at BuiltBar.com. You can bet, or not bet, I always say bet. You can vote on <laughs> your favorite Built Bar flavors in each matchup as we go through the bracket. Today's matchup is, I'm just pulling it up right now. I'm waiting for it to load. The website's going to work for me. I promise you it is. Uh, maybe it's not. Either way, <laughs> it's, oh, the, ma- the, the oh, it's a loaded matchup today. Two of the greatest flavors. Coconut brownie chunk, which is absurdly good Mm -hmm. and does not taste healthy but it definitely is and lemon almond cheesecake which i think is my favorite of all time it's a really really great matchup you can go to builtbar.com and bet and while you're again i said it again bet what's wrong with my brain bet online in the same uh same read that's it's all in my brain anyway uh bet on yourself vote on builtbar yes that's there you go perfect bet on lemon almond cheesecake going to the to the final four i wonder if they have odds on bet online for the built bar madness who knows go look at bet online i guess either way look at this integration this has gone off the rails go to builtbar.com while you're voting you can also order some built bars for yourself use the promo code locked 15 and get 15 percent off your next order that is locked 15 to get 15 percent off your next order at builtbar.com check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the de- best tasting protein bar in the land i am guessing that the winner of this uh, matchup, coconut brownie chunk and lemon almond cheesecake, is going to go on to be the champion. This is the finals in the quarterfinals, baby. Uh, go to BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKED15. All right, Vivek. After that, uh, <laughs> let's uh, get this <laughs> we got back through it. on we track got through it. with uh, you talking more because you are smarter than I am and better at words. Uh, I don't know if that's Back true. out of the bench. As we pivot towards this being a bit of a, hey, man, you're on CBC every day uh, or close to it. You, you're better at words than me. Um, anyway, back into the bench. As we pivot potentially to 
sort of a run out the string situation, <laughs> run out the clock situation on the season. Yeah. Development will become more of a focus, obviously. I think we've seen a little bit of that focus the last couple of games as Malachi Flynn and Paul Watson have seen their roles increased, um, you know, mixed returns there. Flynn's offense still not there. I think he does a lot of nice things on defense and doesn't really screw up all that much, which is nice. Uh, Watson's been hitting some threes, providing good defense. I think he's been kind of nice. But the back end of the bench... There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of uncertainty as to who's going to be on the team next season. A lot of guys who have options, a lot of guys on expiring contracts. I think we could see a world in which none of these guys are back, frankly, outside of, you know, Boucher and Flynn and, you know, maybe Watson. Like, it's it's pretty rough going. Do you have anyone you're kind of watching down the stretch of the season here to see, is this guy part of the future? Is this guy a significant part of the future? Or are you, like me, just kind of counting the days until you don't have to watch Aaron Baines anymore and not much else when it comes to the back end of the roster? (laughs) So I think a lot of this, again, is trade deadline dependent and which direction the Raptors choose to go in. And if they're still looking to compete for a playoff spot and whatnot, then I kind of disagree with the early approach that Nick has taken. I mean, he's kind of been forced out of it anyway, where he's looked for other guys to provide something. And the reason I disagree is because if you're focused on the playoff spot and what we've seen over the course of the season is that you have to expect inconsistency from the back end of the rotation. And so, yeah, you have the couple of guys that you want to lean on. And I, I think he's made the right choice in Malachi Flynn and Paul Watson Jr. But I also think he needs to be ready to go to what, whatever options are available if things aren't working out. And so hmm. I think that's the biggest challenge that he faces if the Raptors are going to continue to compete for a playoff spot and be the best team that they can be and they don't do much at the deadline. And so I think it's every night, every game that they play, it's going to be that searching process to see what he can get out of the bench. And I'm sure that's, <laughs> that's something that's uh, very exhausting. But I think that's going to be the best way to win games. Um, if they lean towards the future, then it's a no-brainer. You you got to uh, hand over the keys a little bit to Malachi Flynn. Uh, you know, accelerate his development. Paul Watson Jr. See what what he's capable of. I'd, I'd even go to you know giving more ball handling to Norm and have him run the offense a bit more if he doesn't get traded because it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we need we need you to improve in that aspect of the game. And OG, again, same thing. Get him involved in different ways to improve him. Um, And then, yeah, with Fred and Siakam, kind of more of the same. So, yeah, if if they do make a deal uh, that leans more towards long-term prospects, then, yeah, let's get the younger guys more of an opportunity and, you know, let them make their mistakes and play through it. If they're going to compete, then I do think you have to sort of mix and match and just see what's working on each and every night because you have to expect inconsistencies. That's that's what the season has taught us so far. Yeah, uh, so I kind of disagree. L- love the disagreement that we have. <laughs> we rarely disagree on anything. I kind of don't mind Nurse just kind of picking guys and saying, all right, let's just roll with it and see what happens because – I feel like a big part of the inconsistency with the bench this season is no one ever knows when the hell they're coming into the game or what role they're playing. It's just it's very erratic and I think we like that about Nick Nurse that he's, you know, going to do things on the fly and make adjustments in game to try to, you know, squeeze out a couple extra points here and there. And, you know, it's kind of the 
argument that was always against Dwayne Casey. It's like he settles in on a rotation on day one, and that's just the rotation for 82 games, and that's nice, and that helps you build up a lot of sort of consistency, chemistry, and sort of cohesion, but you know, you were left short come playoff time. I don't know if you're worried about being left short come playoff time right now. And so I kind of think having a set nine-man rotation where you're playing Flynn, you know, 15 to 20 a night, you're playing Watson 20 a night, you're getting Baines in there for his backup center role, even though it makes you want to poke your eyes out. You're getting Boucher, his regular run off the bench. Like, having that be your bench four interspliced with the starters, I think that's fine with me. And none of the other guys in the team outside of Bembry have done much this season to really earn any of that extra rope. So I'm fine just sort of hoping that, yeah, maybe there are some growing pains early on with Flynn and Watson. But, you know, a week, two weeks, three weeks into this experiment, they start to round into a pretty nice little bench unit. and They grow comfortable with each other. They know how to play with one another. I, I kind of am holding out hope for that. I just I don't see, you know, mixing things up and bringing them Matt Thomas or Terrence Davis or Yuta Watanabe to me isn't really the way to go to try to milk the most out of this bench because those guys have all kind of proven, you know, even Utah, we love Utah, but the dude doesn't do anything on offense and falls down a lot. <laughs> and I don't know if we if it's necessary to get more looks at that when Watson and, and Flynn are probably the two best developmental projects on the team, even though Watson's like 35 years old or whatever the hell he is. I know that's overshooting it, um, <laughs> but, you know, the, the graying hair doesn't do well for like looking at him as a developmental project just aesthetically. Um, you know, I mean, he's like 27 or 28, but I, I just feel like consistency with the dudes off the bench makes some sense considering how the lack of consistency really has not worked at all this season. And that's where I'm at on that. I think the guys I'm looking at, Flynn, Watson, I, Benbury has an option for next year. I wouldn't hate picking that up. I also don't know if Nick Nurse loves him at this point. You know, he kind of was sewered by the time without the good players because he's best playing with good players. Yeah. And as the number one or two, he was just way overexposed and kind of sewered himself, but not really through any of his own fault. It's a tricky one, man. But if I'm like betting as to how many of this group of whatever – Boucher, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 guys factoring in Jalen Harris. So if, like, if I'm trying to figure out who is going to be part of the mix, I guess you can throw in Stan Johnson to make a 12, maybe three mm-hmm. next year. <laughs> like Counting down the days till Baines has his uh, de- option declined. That'll be lovely. A real celebratory day. <laughs> um, you know, I think maybe one of... Watson or Bembry's back maybe Flynn will be back obviously Boucher will be back obviously after that it's anybody's guess and they could easily walk away from the mall I know Matt Thomas is still on contract for like two more years but I don't think it's guaranteed so they could walk away from him pretty easily I think maybe they should at this point it's uh it's dire straits speaks to the lack of depth and all that uh that we've been talking about with this team so that's where I'm at there man I think we've kind of reached the end do you have any parting shots before we wrap up here no, no. Uh, here's your stuff. You can check out my work at Complex and CBC Sports. You can check out North Courts uh, bi-weekly on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. I mean, you can just go watch it on YouTube whenever uh, whenever you have some time. And besides that, you can follow me on Twitter at VivekMJacob. Oh, you can also listen to my soccer podcast, uh, Red, Red Couch Manx, which is all about Manchester United. I always forget that one because I'm always in basketball <laughs> mode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go listen to Red Couch Manx. Uh, men, you doing better than the Raptors, if I am correct, right? I haven't watched yeah, any soccer this year. They are. Yeah. <laughs> be hard not to be doing better than the Raptors right now, honestly. <laughs> um, although I think Spurs are giving them a run for their money. Anyway, let's uh, wrap it there. 
Thanks to all the sponsors on today's show. Thanks to you, Big V, for coming on. Thanks to you, the listener, for sticking it out and listening. We love you. Well, of course, we'll be covering the rest of the week in depth as uh, news is sure to break at some point here. Or no news will also be news, I think. Uh, Amy Otterbert's going to come on the show tomorrow, tee up the game against Denver uh, in the all-women broadcast, which is very, very exciting. So that'll be on Wednesday's show. Thursday, Katie Heindel's going to pop by. We're going to recap that Nuggets game. And then Friday, I'm going to leave that open and just figure out what the hell we'll talk about after the deadline on Thursday. We will have a locker room on Friday to talk about the deadline, too. So uh, stay tuned for that. But other than that, that's all the business I got to close out the show. Subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked on Raptors. Have a good one, everybody. 